How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live once again. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Monday, January 21st, 2018. It is the day after the NFL Conference Championship Games. Uh, before I get things going, I just want to say follow me on Twitter at Hot Takes with TP3 and follow me on Instagram at TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets or search TP3 NBA Handicapper. You can find me on there either way with that. But before I talk a little basketball here in a little bit, first I got to talk these NFL Conference Championship games. Decent day for me at the picks. I picked the Rams spread and I picked the Chiefs spread. I also picked the Rams and the Chiefs to win these games outright, so I was one and one. I mean, absolutely crazy games. I'm not going to lie. I was still hurt this morning when I woke up that the Chiefs didn't pull out that game, but got to talk about this Rams-Saints team first to get everything started off. First thing I want to say, guys, is all these Saints fans look back on this game as, oh, the refs blew the game. The refs called, the, screwed us over. You know, like all the, that's all they're going to say is the Rams, is the, is not the Rams won the game, but the refs won the game for them. Look, I want to say this first off. It's, it's the human element of the game, you know, like the refs are going to make bad decisions. The refs are going to mess up calls. It happens, guys. That's the way it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. I completely agree. It should have been a flag. You're not going to hear an argument from me there. I mean, that was the most blatant pass interference I've seen. But on the flip side of things, there's pass interferences and stuff all the time that don't get called. It just so happened that this one wasn't called in the big situation, big game. So it stands out a little bit more than other bad calls. This game, though, was poorly officiated from the get-go. There was lots of missed calls in the first half late in the game. There was questionable play where it looked like Jared Goff got horse collar they didn't call. Also, later in the game when the Rams were driving down the field, ended up tying the game up at 23. Or, I mean, or ended up, I guess it was 20. Yeah, or, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit before that, though. So, Jared Goff runs the ball down around the goal line, and this is on a third down when he runs the ball. He gets grabbed in the face mask, and they don't call it. I mean, that's just as bad of a call. Who knows? The Rams might have scored a touchdown there and gone up by and gone up by four points, which would have changed the game. Obviously, I mean, you could say the Saints probably would have still scored a touchdown there, but I'm just saying, it's not like the only bad call in this game went on the Saints. There's bad calls both directions, and that official had been calling the game is notorious for screwing over the Rams. The Rams were 0-8 with him officiating games and had double the amount of um, of penalty yards on them or on them opposed to their opponent. So, I mean, it's 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 it goes both ways at the end of the day, guys. I mean, come on now, we can't get that mad. It's gonna it goes both ways, but. When I look back at this game and I look at the scores and I just look at everything for the, all together, I mean, this is a game where I thought the Rams could not have started the game worse. I mean, what did I say on the podcast? I thought the Rams needed to score early, get on the board quick, and go from there. The Rams did not do that at all. Instead, they went through, they threw an interception. And I mean, we even saw it was so loud in there that a piece of the ceiling fell. A piece of the ceiling fell when that interception happened, guys. I mean... I was sitting there. I said to everybody, I was like, well, this one's over, guys. It was fun while it happened. Let's get ready for the next game. But no, the Rams' defense kept them in this game. I thought it was big. I felt like that Sean Payton did not do a great job coaching in this game. He's their offensive play caller, and I feel like he called a horrible game offensively. I felt like that this is a game where we should have seen the Rams punch two more in the end zone. I mean, the Saints punched two in the end zone early. And instead, they had to settle for field goals, which ended up being huge. I mean, they were up 13-0 before the Rams even had time to get situated. The Rams did score 10 unanswered points in the second quarter to make it 13-10 at halftime. But 
Rams looked out of sync. I mean, they couldn't audible. It was so loud. They clearly looked rattled. I mean, that was the most hostile environment I've seen in a while. And the fact they were able to weather that storm was impressive. I mean, they only ran for 77 yards. Todd Gurley only had four carries. I mean, he's definitely still hurt, guys. It wasn't he got benched. He's just hurt. He's banged up. I mean, going to C.J. Anderson there was the right move. On the flip side of things, the Rams' defensive line absolutely should, showed up. They showed why they deserve all that money and why they're getting paid the big bucks. They held the Saints to 48 yards rushing. Drew Brees ended up throwing the costly interception at the end of the game. I just thought the Rams' defense showed up, showed out, played a great game. I mean, they completely took Michael Thomas out of this game. He had four catches for 19 yards or for 36 yards. I mean, that's you completely take away their biggest receiver and their biggest weapon for you. Alvin Kamara was a tough guy to get. That's all linebackers mainly on Kamara. And the Rams, like I said, have a very weak linebacking court. On the flip side of things, Brandon Cooks showed why he got the big contract, 107 yards receiving, but. Ultimately, guys, the Rams took care of the ball in this one. Jared Goff only had that one interception right there at the beginning. He played one, probably the best game of his career. And I'm not saying like, oh, Jared Goff came out of here and threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns. No, Jared Goff came out, threw for almost 300 yards, had one passing touchdown, but he made all the big things. He ran the ball well, three carries for 10 yards, got some big first downs with his legs, made some big plays with his legs. I thought Jared Goff could not have played a better game, and he looked as poised as he could be in there with how loud the crowd was. I was so impressed with the game Jared Goff played. That was the best game I think Jared Goff's played as a pro. It might not be his best in the stat sheet, but at the end of the day, it was the best for him X's and O's wise. And ultimately, Sean McVay proved why he's the best coach and why he's arguably the best coach in the National Football League. I can't say he's better than Belichick, and we'll get to why you can't say he's better than Belichick, but he outcoached Sean Payton in this game. He had stuff ready for him. They got the defense ready. They moved the ball on offense. I just thought it was an all-around great game called by him. I mean, he even called the fake punt, which was probably the biggest play of the whole game, that fake punt pass. I mean, the Rams looked dead in the water. Instead, he went out there. You know he likes to call these plays, and he still made the call and got it. Johnny Hecker, baby. I thought it was hilarious, too, when they called timeout on that one field goal, and Hecker got them, picked up the ball to act like he was going to run on a fake. I thought that was pretty funny, too, but... Ultimately, I mean, New Orleans, it sucks. It was a bad call winning against you. Can't much you can do about it. You got to give the Rams credit for what they did. I mean, they went in there and beat them. That was crazy. That's the Saints' first home loss since the first game of the season. Actually, I guess they lost that one to the Panthers, but that game hardly even counted with backups playing all over the field. But I was thoroughly impressed with the way the Rams played. This pass rush, this defense, guys, they showed up. They got pressures. I mean, they did everything you wanted them to see to breeze. Got two sacks on them. From the flip side of things, I mean, I thought it was a great defensive game, as I kind of predicted. I said these are two great offenses, but it'd be better defenses. I think that Saints played their best football after the first half of that. Da- Honestly, after that Dallas game kicked off, they never really looked like the same team ever since. And and ended up showing in this one. So, I mean, hats off to the Rams, guys. They played one hell of a game. They came out here. They got it done. They got the victory. Now they're moving on to the Super Bowl. You got to love it. I mean, the Rams started playing. The Rams played good football at the beginning of the year. Then they went cold for a while, but they found it again when they needed it, which is all that matters. I mean, it's a week-to-week league, and they found it week-to-week. It's all that matters, guys. But the big game, the best game of the day. Unfortunately, I'm finally ready to revisit this game. It took me a while. I wanted to do this podcast when I woke up this morning, but I really just did not want to talk about this game. It was a pretty sore subject for me. I was rooting hard for Kansas City yesterday. I really wanted to see him pull it off. I wanted to get that prediction right and everything, but it didn't happen, guys. And honestly, this is one of the best football games that I have watched. I mean, Kansas City's defense actually showed up, held the Patriots to 14 points. They had that timely interception on the goal line. I think it was Reggie Raglan who got the interception. I'm not 100% sure if that's correct, but I thought that the defense absolutely showed. Yeah, it was Reggie Raglan who got the first one. Sorensen had the second one. 
But, I mean, that was just big-time play. I mean, if the New England goes up 14-0 there, the game might be over. But what I take away from this game is what Bell Belichick did in this game. He took away the run game that worked so well for Kansas City last week. Damian Williams has 10 carries for 30 yards. I mean, he basically kept the ball away from Pat Mahomes. He ran the ball with Michelle 29 times for 113 yards, 12 for 41 with Burkhead, 6 for 23 with James White. That's 48 times they ran the ball for 176 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's just crazy, guys, the fact they ran the ball like that, but Belichick had a good game plan. He did not want Pat Mahomes to beat him, and I mean, damn, he did just about everything he could to keep Pat Mahomes from beating him. They ran the ball, they ran the ball, they ran the ball, they ran the clock, they controlled the clock, they used Gronk early, and they used Gronk late when they had to. I mean, Julian Edelman, how many big, I swear, Julian Edelman is the most, he's not the best wide receiver, but he's the most clutch wide receiver. Whenever Brady needs a big play, he looks his way, and he answers the call every single time. He did it again in this game way too many times, and I mean, guys, Belichick just straight up outcoached him. He kept the pass rush away from his from his offense, that offensive line for the Patriots played amazing football. Zero pressures from Justin Houston, Air, um, D. Ford, and and uh, the big I can't I can't think of his name, but the big um, defensive tackle who had the horrible call on him or the horrible call on him, which is another bad call. But overall, I thought the refs did a better did a better job in the second game than they did the first game, but. Oh, Chandler, or Chris Jones, I don't know why I couldn't think of his name, but Chris Jones, I mean, that was a horrible call when they called him for the roughing the passer, but they kept the ball away from Pat Mahomes. They took Tyreek Hill away in one catch for 42 yards. That was a huge explosive play when he did, but they took him out of the game. And they also took Travis Kelsey out of the game. Three catches, 23 yards. Yeah, he had the touchdown, but they took away Pat Mahomes' two favorite targets. Now, Sammy Watkins absolutely stepped up. Damian Williams stepped up in the receiving game. I mean, the Chiefs just made the big plays when they needed him. So did Pat Mahomes, like that third down where he got out of the pocket and he hit, or it might have been second down and long, where he hit Spencer Ware on the backfield. I just felt like Pat Mahomes, anytime he needed to play, he got it done 24 points, 24 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just ice cold. Pat Mahomes did not back down. Got them, got them on the board with that seven in the third quarter. I really thought for getting shut down as much as they did in the first half that Pat Mahomes just said, uh-uh, it's not happening. And he tried to do every single thing he could, yet the Patriots still won this game. I mean, Tom Brady and Belichick might be the greatest coach-quarterback duo of all time. I mean, these guys find a way to get it done every single time. They need a win. They're going to figure out how to get it done, and that's exactly what they did in this game, guys. Mahomes threw for 295 yards and three touchdowns. Brady throws for 348 and a touchdown. Yeah, he had an interception, but Mental mistakes is what cost Kansas City the game. Yeah, they had zero turnovers, but D. Ford, what are you doing, dude? How do you line up with half your body offsides? I mean, his entire body basically was offsides. That cost them the game. They get the interception. They're like, all right, the game's over. Nope, D. Ford in the neutral zone. I mean, that's just a backbreaker. The fact you had the game won like that and then can't get it out because of that interception, I mean, that just hurts, guys. That hurts a lot. So I feel for Kansas City, but they did it to themselves. Belichick clearly outcoached Andy Reid here in this situation. That's why they lost the game. I mean, I love how Brady, they respected Pat Mahomes at the end of the game enough to go over there and meet with him and tell him good game. I mean, Brady probably told him, your time's coming. You're about to run this league. Great game. You gave me everything I wanted and more, which I mean, he pretty much did. Mahomes did not step down, and you know what the NFL is going to take away from this game, guys, is Patrick Mahomes is coming. It's going to be his league here soon. I mean, he did not back down the playoffs. He did not back down this game. I thought it was an absolutely great performance, but hey, man, got to give your hats off to New England. They find a way to do it 
every single week. I'm not going to lie, guys. New England was very unimpressive in the regular season this season. This is the worst roster they've had, and the fact they can make it back here, it just speaks volumes to Brady and Belichick and what they do with this team. McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, I mean, this team is absolutely crazy with the the way they were able to get, get in this game and win this game. I still can't believe they were able to pull this one off last night. This is one of the best NFL games just that I've watched, period. Just the way that Mahomes and Brady went up and down the field on each other at the end of the game and sent this game to overtime. When it went to overtime, though, I had the exact same feeling I did when the Falcons went to the overtime in the Super Bowl. It was over, guys. Pat Mahomes never getting the ball. I mean, you can complain all you want about the way the overtime rules are set up, but at the end of the day, I like the way the overtime rules are set up. Set up to get the game over with quick, to not have guys get injured. To get, I mean, imagine if you play an overtime game and you play have to play two, three extra quarters. I mean, it puts you at a complete disadvantage for weeks moving forward. So I think the NFL has overtime set up the best way possible. It just sucks Patrick Mahomes didn't get the ball back one more time. I mean, you can't really complain about it, guys. It is what it is. That's the way the cookie crumbles. You played your ass off of your Kansas City. I mean, if I'm Kansas City, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, you had the huge mental error, but at the end of the day, you left just about every single thing you had out on the field, and you should have won that game. So crazy game, guys. Probably one of the best games I'll ever watch, period, in football. I think that's the best game I've seen since that Packers-Seahawks-NFC championship game. Maybe even that uh, AFC championship game back. I think that Packers-Seahawks AFC championship game was in, yeah, it was 20, I guess it was 2015. And then that 2016 AFC championship game against the Patriots and Broncos, that one's up there too as well. But this game just had so much scoring. You watched Patrick Mahomes do nothing in the first half, yet he still came out and balled out in the second half. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, guys, to me, is the best player in the NFL. He He's going to be coming for years and years and years. We're going to get to watch him every single week, every single Sunday. He's going to be top ticket. I mean, it's it's crazy, guys. Pat Mahomes is the future of this league. Can't wait to see what more from him. But Brady and Belichick are ready to write another chapter here heading the Super Bowl. Um, <clears throat> I really won't talk that much here about the Super Bowl matchup. I'll give it a little time to rest here. I've talked a lot for this podcast just about football in general, but crazy game by New England guys they deserve to go back to one more Super Bowl I mean me as a Falcons fan me as a football fan I'm tired of them I hate seeing it but you got it you can't deny what Brady and Belichick have done they might be the most dominant duo I've ever seen I mean Brady at 41 years old still getting it done I mean, I I really think that Tom Brady is that good, guys. I mean, he might be the GOAT. If he wins the Super Bowl, I will come on this podcast and say, Tom Brady is the GOAT. He is the best player of all time. I will say those words if he wins this Super Bowl. I mean, New England was not the best team in the AFC all season long, yet they still made it out somehow. This speaks volumes to what this team does and how they get better week to week. It's all about getting better week to week and what you do week to week, and the Patriots have seemed to master that. All right, guys, I know I haven't really talked that much about college basketball, but I actually want to get into a little NCAA basketball. So I'm one of those guys, I'm more of an NBA kind of guy. Like, I still love the NBA. I mean, y'all know I'm going to talk about it here in a minute. But this this college basketball season, guys, it's fun to watch. I mean, Zion, you have so many good players, whether it's Zion Williamson, whether it's R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, those three guys at Duke. I think they're probably the three guys you want in the draft, really, after them. You're kind of missing out. But... My my thing about college basketball is I'm not a big fan of it when it first starts up. I'd rather watch football when it first starts up. I also think that I, these teams are just playing like like uh no, like directional like northeastern state like teams like that. They're playing like the Louisiana Monroe Nighthawks like teams that you know what I mean. Like they're not playing good competition. But I love conference play because that's when you get the rowdy crowds. And also another thing, too, is a lot of these kids are out of town. We're all out of town for Christmas, Thanksgiving breaks. I mean, these games just aren't as fun to watch, not as big environments. The neutral site ones are fun to watch, but not really the big home games and stuff. But finally, you got everybody back in town, all students back. It's time. Conference play starts up. I mean, 
It's so much fun to watch, guys. We had a huge matchup here with Duke versus Virginia. What I want to say about this game is Duke is really, really good, guys. I mean, this Virginia team, I'm a big believer that veteran teams typically win in in March Madness. That's when they win. It's, it's, the, it's the experienced teams. It's not these teams with all these freshmen and all this, that. It's the teams that have the guys that are old veteran teams. They're the ones who come out here and pull off these wins, but... I'm actually going to side here, guys, and say I think Duke can really get it done. That win over Virginia was so impressive to me. To me, Virginia has the best group of old, of older players and stacked up roster like that, but Duke looked head and shoulders better in that game. Final score is a little closer than it should have been. I mean, it was back and forth, but I really felt like Duke was in control the whole game. Zion Williamson played probably his best game as a Blue Devil. I thought him and Barrett both did just everything they did for this team. I mean, Zion guys was pulling down rebounds, fighting on the boards. They had to make up because they didn't have Trey Jones in this game. They were only seven guys deep. Duke really didn't have that much. Duke did not get a lot of assists in this game. The ball movement was not pretty at all for Duke. I mean, they had six total team assists. That's not very good, but... R.J. Barrett took this game over as an ISO score, only hit 1-3, got to the line, hit 7 of 11 free throws. He figured out how to do it. On the flip side of things, seven free throws for Zion, or fourteen free throws for Zion hit seven of them, ten for sixteen from the floor. But he dominated this game on the boards. He dominated as a shot blocker, even though he only blocked one shot. But you saw him changing shots in the paint, and he just—I just felt like guys, this was Zion's coming out party with twenty-seven points here, thirty-eight minutes, forty for Barrett. I mean, these two guys took the game over. Look, Cam Reddish is that good, guys. He's the third option on this team, and he's never experienced anything like that. you got to think about this. Cam Reddish has been a superstar his entire life playing basketball. He's been the number one option everywhere he's gone. It's been all about Cam Reddish. Finally, he has to kind of play. You know, he's got to play as the third guy to this. It's just like Chris Bosh. It's just like Kevin Love. You know, like you even hear Chris Bosh talk about it in interviews afterwards. He's just like, you know, like I had to get used to being the third option. Like that's how it is for Cam, for Cam Reddish here, guys. He's got to get used to being the third option. I mean, he can't lose his confidence. Cam Reddish to me is better than Brandon Ingram he's better than uh, Justice Winslow I think he's better than all those wings to come out of Duke and I think he will be one of the better ones I don't think he'll be better than Barrett or Zion but I really think Cam Reddish is that good guys I would not take him lightly I would probably take him with the third pick in the NBA draft I think those Duke boys should go one two and three I mean Cam Reddish to me guys is the, like this is the next Paul George type player he's that good but Duke got one hell of a win, even though they were at home. This was huge. I mean, Virginia got that little trash time bucket to cover the spread. We picked them. That was one of my max plays yesterday or on that day for y'all was Virginia. But it's going to be fun to watch all these races, guys. College basketball, I mean, we just had Duke go down this week. We had Virginia go down this week. Um, I'm trying. Which, which other of the top teams went down this week? Let me pull it up. I know Tennessee. Tennessee's now our new number one team. Uh, Michigan went down this week. I mean, we just keep seeing everybody go down left and right. Michigan State, Maryland just tipped off. I'm actually about to go watch that here in a few minutes. Got some NBA on tonight as well. But college basketball is gonna be fun, guys. And the other thing I want to say too is the ACC is in basketball what the SEC is in football, and the SEC is in, in basketball what the ACC is in football. Look, the SEC's got lots of great players over in that conference. they got some good teams, man. they got Auburn, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. they got some good teams over there in that conference, guys. I mean, they're, it's, they're fun to watch, but the SEC does not compare. How could I for, even forget Tennessee's ranked number one right now? But they're not the ACC. The ACC has two has Duke and Virginia, two and three. Then they've got number number 10, Virginia Tech, number 11, North Carolina. Um, 
Number 21, NC State. Number 23, Louisville. I mean, the ACC's got way more teams than that even that we're just not seeing up in here right now, which will be there when the season ends. Don't sleep on the ACC, guys. They got some teams in this conference. They're going to be there. Florida State, unfortunately, we dropped out of the rankings. Kind of BS. I mean, Kofor was out on Saturday. I mean, we, or I mean, on Sunday, we took some rough losses this week, but we'll definitely be back in there for sure. Overall, though, guys, it's going to be fun to watch how everything plays out in college basketball. I'll get more analysis and stuff for y'all on college basketball. I just want to talk a little bit about it right here, right now, just because I feel like that there are some big takeaways from from finally a huge matchup this week. There will be plenty more big matchups, plenty more college basketball, fun stuff to watch. Um, I'm not really going to talk about any NBA. I've decided I'm just going to go ahead and take y'all out of here on this note. It was a fun conference championship weekend, guys. I'll have some guests on later on in the week, talk more. We'll kind of shift here a little bit more towards NBA and basketball just because everything's kind of winding down here and it's it's, it's getting to be that time of the year. But then I have a nice little debate about the Pro Bowl and other stuff like that we can talk about. So appreciate y'all tuning in. I hope y'all enjoyed listening to this podcast. Get at me at Hot Takes with TP3 on Twitter, at TP3 underscore NBA underscore bets on Instagram. Holler at me. Let me know what y'all think. Um, give me some topics y'all want to hear me debate. Anything y'all got for me, always let me know. Get at me. You know I'll get back to you. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Our listens are still going through the roof. I can't do it without y'all. I appreciate y'all, everything y'all do for me. But I hope y'all have a good week this week. Let's get after it.